You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma. Mike Hearn here, your host, back with another episode in downtown Oklahoma City today with Brian Bogut of the Social Order Dining Collective. Correct. That's a, that's a, yep. Wow. <laughs> oh, that's a mouthful. Right I know. That's awesome. Uh, thanks for inviting me down, mate. This is really cool. I'm uh, looking forward to sharing the story because I know uh, there's a lot of it. You've done a lot of cool things. And speaking to a lot of people that know you, um, people speak very highly of you. Well, thank which, you very uh, much. Glad got some to good be circles. On. And I know not just business, but in sport and athletics and especially tennis, um, you know, you've, you've done some good things. So excited to dive into that. Great. Um, but yeah, this cool building, um, you know, this has come from obviously a lot of hard work and plenty of hours spent grinding out and raising businesses and all the rest of it. But uh, I think come from a probably very well-known family, right, in the area, I'd say. Yeah, my family has been in Oklahoma City for a long time. My both sets of grandparents were here um, my whole family still lives here. I went away to school uh, and worked in, in Texas for a little bit and then uh, found my way back here in 2003 as well. Yeah. So, so everyone grew up born and raised here and went to school and everything. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, went to, uh, like, so you went to Heritage Hall, right? To Heritage Hall. I, I actually started school in Stillwater, Oklahoma. My parents had me when they were younger. So I, while they were in college, I went to elementary school okay. in Stillwater and then Quill Creek Elementary here in Oklahoma City and then fifth grade through sure. high school went to Heritage Hall. Yeah, how was that experience? It was great, I yeah. loved loved that school. Yeah, proud charger. <laughs> yeah, and I, I mean, just chatting previously before press and record, I know you're still involved quite a bit, right? Or was still involved? I was, yeah, I was them. very much involved. Uh, I was on the alumni board for a while. Um, I chaired the 50th anniversary uh, gala, which raised money for the teachers. And then I was uh, the varsity boys tennis coach there for 10 years. Mm -hmm. So uh, I just retired after the 2019 season. And you guys are pretty successful too, right? We, we had a good run, yeah. yes. Uh, I think we won eight state championships in that during yeah. that time period. Those two really hurt that you didn't win, did they? <laughs> they must really hurt. <laughs> we were runner-up those two years, yeah. yeah. Uh, we always always look back on, on those years. And, uh, you know, most of the time we weren't expected to win. So um, when we did, it was always a little bit of a surprise That's to us. Maybe only but one or two years were we uh, the favorites. Yeah. We just always found a way to perform at the state championship. Yeah, so growing up, like athletics was obviously quite prominent growing up then. Yeah, so um, my dad was kind of a star football player at John Marshall High School. Uh, he went into, on to walk on for a brief while at Oklahoma State University. And then basically any sport that I played growing up, my dad was my coach, my brother's coach, my sister's coach. And then um, we all eventually ended up at Heritage Hall. And uh, at one point in time, I think we covered 
six sports. I was coaching tennis, sister was coaching volleyball, dad was coaching golf and football, brother was coaching football and soccer. So uh, it's the the sports gene and the coaching are definitely built into our it's DNA. In the family, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like oh you, yeah, you just grown up around it and coaching such a. Like people ask me sometimes, would you become a golf coach? And I've done it as an assistant a couple of times for a few, you know, one or two tournaments here and there. And I don't know how you do it. Like there's <laughs> so, especially when you've played that sport as well. Yeah. You know, if you're just a team manager, it's easy, easier, I should say. But when you've played that sport and you know that you could probably still play that level or at some close to it, and you know the the, the in, 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 intricacies or whatever, like it's more stressful, isn't it? It's extremely stressful. I would say that you go through the highs and lows of what the athlete does on the court or playing field. Uh, however, you're not exerting the exercise <laughs> by the time, right. <laughs> by the time I'd get home from the, uh, the tournaments, I'd just be completely exhausted. My weekend would be over. Yeah. Um, so I, I prefer being on the court and, and competing in most from a, from a psychological standpoint. Mentally, at least. Yeah, mentally yeah. it's much mentally. better to be playing. Yeah. Even if you don't win, it's much better <laughs> to deal with that mentally. Than, yeah. Than, and especially with like high school too, like there's some of these kids, they're just playing cause they want to play. Like they have fun. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be, the percentage of them is not going to be a professional athlete. Correct. Um, they may go on to play in college. Great. But like, in the grand scheme of life, like this is a tiny little blip. They just want to have fun. Sure, sure. Doing that, you know, the the competitive to having fun gene is the side of things. It's like, you know, especially if you won a bunch of, you know, you're trying to win, you know, state championships, but then you're probably like, oh, we want to have fun too. Yeah. You know, it's, that's a hard dynamic to deal with, especially boys and girls. Yeah, it is. And, you know, we just tried to create a culture that, you know, Tennis is a very alone solo sport, mm-hmm. so we just kind of kind of try to create a team culture where you know playing tennis at Heritage Hall was something bigger than just yourself. So um, the alumni, the kids I've coached uh, over the previous ten years, still are all very close. We do a Thanksgiving Day tournament with all my former players, and so it's kind of become a pretty significant tradition yeah. in Oklahoma tennis. That's really cool, uh, and. So was tennis, out of all the sports you played, was tennis the one that you really took to over all the others? It was definitely the one that I put the most focus and, and time on yeah. um, and had the most success with. I won state uh, as a sophomore and a junior, and our team um, won state the four years that I was there and got to be the captain of, of the team my senior year. Yeah. Um, so that was you know my my most prominent uh, sports memories were from sure. tennis. So, I mean, having some athletic ability myself, like when you're that good at a young age and you're winning, you only think that's what you're going to do for the rest of your life, right? Is that, was that kind of at the same time? I feel you? like I felt like that maybe when I was in my early teens. Yeah. And by the time I got a car and turned 16, that all changed. It opened up a completely new world uh, with new activities, new distractions. So I think about that point, I knew that that, uh, tennis was on on the outs for me as an athlete. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So you you weren't like lining up university to go and play tennis in university? No, I think I got got some letters and thought about it, but um, really I was more focused on going to college, 
you know, looking at places where I was getting academic scholarships and just had the opportunity to go to great school academically. If it had fallen in line that I would have been able to play tennis, you know, that just would have been a perk. But my priority was finding the right college. Did you have offers though? People still, were the people interested in small schools like division three? Um, so in, in, um, I guess smaller towns that I wasn't really sure. wanting to explore it at that age. I was ready for a big city and yeah. that's kind of what took me to Dallas. Yeah. I, I think like, and that to make that decision too, right. When you're, you know, when you're 16, 17, 18, am I going to play tennis the rest of my life? Uh, and you get the offers and they are from smaller schools. Like you've got it. That's when work starts. And if you want to make it like, yeah. you've got to go to a small school blow it up the first year and then you've got to go and try and transfer in and yeah and make it yeah absolutely um so i guess it's probably a good idea that you like i especially if you're getting offered academic scholarships too that makes a huge difference over you know you got the, the opportunity to do both yeah uh, rather than i only you know i need because some people some kids come to school and the golf scholarship or the sport or the football or whatever like that's the reason they're only doing that sport like sure some of the women that were on the the girls team at snu were like like we play golf because you get a full ride. Yeah. Like, well, I would too. Uh, <laughs> I mean, why not? You know, they have no aspirations to play professionally, but they get school paid for. So, so you, why, why SMU? Why did you choose to go there? So I really, I think I only applied to three colleges and, um, I had friends that went there. I felt like being from Oklahoma city, going to Dallas was like the big trip that you did, yeah. you know, in the summer or, fall break. So I really was already familiar with Dallas and I loved that. Mm -hmm. And it kind of at the time just seemed like a bigger version of Oklahoma city. And there were several people that I knew from my high school, um, not necessarily that were going there my year, but had been there. Um, and several people in the grade above me that I was friends with had gone there. So after I got the scholarship that I did, it made it kind of a no brainer to go. Uh, and then at that point, it's, you know, I'm going to get a, a business degree, I assume. And, and Yes, I had a finance and marketing degree. Um, so those were a big focus, getting into the business school. And then um, obviously the social aspects of SMU were, oh, were yeah. not bad. It's not a bad place to be. <laughs> no. so that whole area is awesome. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, it's a good place to be for sure. Yeah. So, so was, I mean, four years in college was just had a blast and got yeah. to meet a lot of people and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, absolutely. Four years at SMU. And then, um, so, uh, just had a great experience there and, uh, decided right out of college to stay there. I worked mm-hmm. for, uh, what was at the time accepted a job with Anderson consulting within my first year and name changed to Accenture broke off from the accounting side. So it was just a management consulting company. Sure. Uh, spent three years there kind of traveling, United States, a little bit around the world from project to project. Um, and it was eye opening and I learned a lot, but it was, uh, the hours were, uh, significant, especially when I was working, working for a company and for somebody else and generating revenue for, for another company. Yeah. And just seeing you the same paycheck come in every time, every month, yeah. right? Not yeah. Getting, really not getting paid as much as you were worth. Yeah. Uh, which can be a giant kick in the nuts. And just the idea of consulting and going into another business and trying to tell people how to do something differently or yeah. uh, potentially that, you know, 
their position is becoming obsolete was never a great feeling walking yeah. into work every day. So, right. um, that was the tough part. I really just kind of after three years made the decision. I wanted to do something that I knew I would enjoy. Yeah. And so this job was all, it was all types of businesses or just the one business? Um, of different of types of business. I worked, um, on projects everywhere from Texas Instruments, like uh, engineering company, uh, cellular telecom company. My last project, I uh, was a consultant for uh, the TSA, for the mm -hmm. FA, um, and in building the new uh, security processes after the 9-11 attacks. Okay. Um, so I worked with the first airport um, in Mobile, Alabama that opened back up with the new security uh, systems after 9-11. So that was a crazy, crazy experience. Um, very stressful, a lot of information that was coming to me that was probably well above my pay grade at that time. Um, but it was also a great experience, you know, being a part of you know, something that was so horrific in history and being a part of uh, helping better secure things in the future. Yeah, and then that's replicated through every single airport in the nation, Yeah, right? yep. So that's uh, that's quite a, I mean, this, I guess every day would have been different pretty much, every project's yeah. different. You kind of get so thrown into the fire each new project and you kind of gotta figure out your way and figure out how you yeah. can make an impact. Um, so I'm thankful for that that work opportunity because it's kind of what I have to do every day in, right. in my current uh, career. Yeah. So. so you do three years there and then you're like, I'm done working for somebody else. I mm -hmm. want to go do my own thing. Yeah. And then you move back home, mm -hmm. right? I moved back here. Um, my uh, still business partner to this day, Manny LeClaire, and I had a favorite restaurant in uh while we were at smu called texadelphia uh -huh. we decided he was in a corporate desk job for richard's group and we both just decided we were ready to kind of take the next leap and try something new and decided oh we like eating in restaurants we both have worked yeah. in restaurants so you know we should be able to figure this out so <clears throat> somehow we convinced that um franchiser to allow us to open up in Norman, Oklahoma, yeah. um, a restaurant with the name Texas in it. So I don't really know what we were thinking at the time, but, um, it kind of launched our, uh, our restaurant group. And now 17, 18 years yeah. later, we were here. What was that? What's that meeting like when you, you know, you know, you send, you send a phone you send an email, you make a phone call and you say, Hey, we want to open a franchise in, in Oklahoma. I just remember making the phone call, like the initial phone yeah. call. And I kind of stepped out, stepped out of my office at, uh, Accenture. And I just remember my heart pounding, like so nervous to make this phone call. Um, and like at that point, you know, there was no texting, right. you know, I wasn't going to email sure. that over. So I just kind of built up all this pressure to this phone call and started talking to him. And he was like, yeah, you know, I think Oklahoma is a great market and we're, we haven't, you know, done any franchises outside of Texas, but let's get together. And I feel like after we had the face to face, it was just like yeah. a no brainer. How old are you then? Um, 20, 
24? Yeah. Yeah. So still fairly young. In yeah. The, in like oh, the yeah. Business, like in we the had business no sense. business yeah. opening a restaurant whatsoever. <laughs> I mean, none. Yeah. So how quick does it come from that phone call to like opening day at the restaurant? I think we were open about a year after yeah. that. So we found a location in Norman, um, started training uh, at a couple of stores in Austin and in Dallas, um, met with contractors, designed building. And, uh, you know, just kind of started figuring, figuring things out. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, what's first day like when you open? So it was chaos. I mean, we had hundreds and hundreds of people. We really built up this opening and, sure. and people like came out in flocks to, to the grand yeah. opening. And, uh, so the mistake that Manny and I made was we were just like, oh, we don't need a managers. We're going to be the managers. So there were many days where one of us was working the register, one of us was working the grill, yeah. and that never really gave us any time to actually manage and right. operate the the restaurant. But it was a blast. We were young. We worked open to close all the time. So it was, yeah. um, you know, it was the absolute best learning experience and how to never open a restaurant again. To make every single mistake you can, <laughs> learn yes. from it and never do it again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so that, you recently just sold that, right? Just closed? We did. Of- so um, actually, pre-COVID, um, we had had some talks with Texadelphia Corporate. Mm-hmm. A new group bought um, the concept uh, a few years back and they've been developing more stores through Texas and in different um, cities. And they approached us about opening up new locations here, which we hadn't done um, because we kind of got, you know, going on a run with some of our other restaurants, our own concepts. And uh, that brought forth a conversation about, we probably aren't gonna open another one. And then, so they ended up making us an offer to purchase our location and we had the rights to develop Oklahoma. Um, and since we weren't planning on developing it, uh, they hopefully are. Um, and then, uh, you know, COVID happened and we just kind of assumed that the deal would be off and, and, uh, they kind of honored their initial offer. Um, and it gave Manny's brother, Christian LeClaire, who'd been with us for, um, you know, since 2004, 2005, mm-hmm. 15 years, an opportunity for him to become an operating partner and a franchisee. So awesome. it's now a corporate owned store, but with the exact oh, same great. staff we had. Yeah. So, the best um, of both worlds, I guess. Yeah. So, no, so as a customer, nothing, nothing should change. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so you have that franchise, you open up, everything's like learning from every mistake, working all hours, trying to manage, uh, but it's going really well. Uh, how soon do you think, you know what, let's do another one. Like, (laughs) um, it took a couple years to kind of get through that and realize that there was an opportunity in Norman specifically for a more bar oriented place because everybody wanted, there was such a need for like a cool bar in Norman, like by campus that everybody just kind of turned Texadelphy into that. So, so, uh, but you know, we'd close at 10 PM. So in my mind, I'm like, well, we need a place that 
everybody goes to after Mm -hmm. and just kind of found this iconic building in on campus corner. And in 2005, we opened 747, which was, um, the second concept. Um, and we did even more things wrong there, uh, and worked around the clock and just the craziest stories, but it's, you know, 15 years later become a landmark on camps corner. It's kind of the game day headquarters for, for, uh, quite a few OU fans. Why, uh, why the name 747? It was the address, the just address. 747. It just seems to ring. Yeah. It's such a good name. To yeah. Ring, it? it just seems to roll off the tongue. Right. I know you're right. It is a great place to go. I've been there many times. It's, uh, <laughs> thank you. Well, I think I've been there many times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that you can remember. I can remember walking in the door. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Cause that's a totally different thing, right? You go from restaurant to mm-hmm. now you're on, now we're going to run a bar. Full scale bar, yeah. And it's yeah. Know, all drinks, everything you can think yeah. of. Yeah. The nights suddenly go from getting off at ten or eleven at night to, you know, four, four yeah. thirty in the morning. And then turning back around and opening up for brunch and yeah. so I mean, it's a grind for sure. It's always been, and especially in a college town where there's so much seasonality. Um, you know, you kinda gotta staff up, build up mm. and then completely ramp down, you know, Christmas break and, and summer. So, uh, we learned a lot, I think there about, um, you know, more the financial side of business, how to kind of forecast for ups and downs. And, um, so we learned a lot at that one too. So (laughs) I guess you could really predict the seasons, right? With being a college bar, college town, you knew that, like I said, Christmas, not that many people and, and probably for the most part the staff are going to leave town anyway right? because yep. they're probably yeah. college students and stuff like that so that I'm sure helped it did help having yeah. seasonal employees for sure so you I mean Fuzzies is another one right yes and I had Fuzzies cater my wedding oh no way like, so that's like, awesome we are huge <laughs> my wife loves Fuzzies oh that's great um, that's so she's cool she's in the middle of, she was in the middle of like trying to stuff her face full of tacos as what we were called to do our first dance so we delayed <laughs> the first dance so my wife could actually eat that way. oh that's great <laughs> which was hilarious um, so yeah huge I mean it's just so good um, was that kind of another one that you're just like oh you know what like this will really work so we kind of um, with that one we had sort of made a name for ourselves and Norman just, um, you know, as young guys that were doing cool things, yeah. restaurants in the area. And, um, so, uh, the fuzzies guys out of Fort Worth kind of came and, and spoke with us. Um, and so, uh, two of our still business partners today, Patrick Woodson and Scott McKnight, uh, kind of offered us a deal to do like a six month consulting role where we help them establish mm-hmm. fuzzies in this market, which we kind of decided Norman would be the first one. Cause sure. that's where our two restaurants were. Um, and, uh, so they, you know, brought us on to help kind of market, promote, manage the construction, um, all the leasehold improvements design. And then kind of in the middle of it, we realized, okay, fuzzies doesn't have a bar component to it. So yeah. then knowing what we knew from 747 and a little bit at Texadelphia, we created a bar program for fuzzies. And then, you know, about the time we we're about to open, they were like, okay, we, this can no longer be a consulting arrangement. Right. We need you all to be partners. And so, um, 
for now seven locations we have been partners and um own the development rights for yeah. all the state of oklahoma which is i mean it's like i go to i don't go to a lot of ou games i go to more osu games and fuzzies is every single day we go to a game it's fuzzies first <laughs> and then we'll go have a, go to the bar and then we'll take out the tailgate and go to the game but breakfast is always at fuzzies yeah still um, there's still our locations still one of my very favorite yeah, location just because of where it is, like just yeah, right there on the strip, and then it was such a difficult building to fit into our model because sure. it was so many different levels and you know kind of narrow in some places, and then opened up, and so that one was a fun one from like a design process mm-hmm. to figure out how we're going to do it, and then I had this crazy idea that I wanted to have the bar stools be swings on the back like patio bar and and everybody thought it was the worst idea ever and, <laughs> and we did it and then you know customers loved it and yeah it, it's just a fun feeling right there being next to coney island and murphy's and you know a bunch of the greek houses mm-hmm. and just it fits, right across doesn't it? Campus. Like it, it fits right in and where some other i think similar brands wouldn't fit mm-hmm. right like you're not going to put you know um a Taco Bell in there or something. It's just not going to work. But Fuzzy just seems to work. Yeah. Uh, which is, I mean, I love it. I love going there all the time. <laughs> Thank <It's awesome>. you. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, what, so with these, like, you know, you've got, I said three at that point, right? You've got, you know, um, Texas Alpha 747 and then Fuzzies you've kind of been brought into, mm-hmm. kept on. Yeah. Um, is the, is, is the, like the, the whole group name still social dining or does that come later? So that kind of came later. We got to a point where we were, um, we opened another Texadelphia downtown and then we got to a point where we were opening up about a restaurant a year. And so we brought on some former employees as kind of more corporate roles. And, you know, we saw a need to have insurance kind of, um, taking care of across the board marketing. We saw all of these kind of synergies that we needed to um, do as a group rather than just individual units running as kind of separate entities. And so it really just became this need to have kind of a, you know, a home base corporate office uh, where we could kind of launch all these different ideas, concepts, financial needs, you know, like I said, insurance. So, um, that's kind of where it started. And I think we sort of wrapped everything under, uh, the social literature name and umbrella in about 2015. Okay. So is, yeah. I mean, all that we've just spoken about fuzzies and everything else, like, is that all happening while you're coaching tennis as well? Yes. Oh, great. Yeah. So you have yeah. all the stress and all that stuff going on as the, well as working yes. 12 hours. At a yeah. Restaurant. The, um, the kind of breaking point was opening the Jones assembly mm-hmm. and coaching at the same time, that was kind of when I realized it, this was not sustainable. Right. Um, you know, putting in 40, some, some weeks, 60 hours a week on high school tennis yeah. and then still trying to full-time work at the restaurants just didn't no longer made right. sense. So, um, that was kind of the end, yeah. <laughs> the end of it. Um, I mean, the Jones just came at such a good time, right? Hmm. For I mean, just the location uh, early to get in that area, and now it's flourished and always continuing to you know grow, um, and just kind of food scene in Oklahoma City in general, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I guess it seems like you 
tested things in Norman, knows it's, knows it's going to work in Norman, and then was the goal always to open something closer to home? I think so. I mean, we kind of saw a need. We kind of saw that we did all that we could do mm-hmm. in Norman, and that to continue to grow and innovate, we needed to expand to Oklahoma City. And that's, I think, where we kind of really got our legs uh, yeah. as you know, a legitimate restaurant group in the city. Um, the Jones obviously, uh, gives us a lot of exposure. Um, you know, kind of everything we learned from every other concept, Texadelphia 747 and fuzzy is we were able to put all those pieces Mm -hmm. together. And then just also things that I love that I saw a gap in our city, um, live music, um, really well-crafted cocktails, um, and then just elevated but casual food. Sure. So um, we wanted to put, oh, and, and patios. It just seemed like there was a void of patios, like really yeah. um, well-conditioned and, and sheltered patios in the city that people could enjoy despite 35-mile-an-hour winds. So, so yeah. <laughs> we kind of just packaged all those things together and we're like, let's try and make it work under under one concept yeah. and fortunately it has so far yeah. and and from knowing you know yourself knowing doing a little bit of research and knowing friends of mutual friends of ours it seems like and for listening to tell stories for the last 30 minutes it seems like you've created businesses that definitely we needed but also businesses that you would hang out at regardless if you own the building or not because you're like there's a there's a need for this and i would really want the this need you know like and it seems like it's a lot of it's a lot of like friendships in this there's not just there's lifetime of friendships from it might have been heritage hall it might have been smu like Mm -hmm. that's just come together um to create these businesses i know graham's a good friend of yours yeah absolutely just seems to it's like oh we've been going into business with my friends the whole time it's it's kind of developed to that obviously you know manny and i were college best friends and and started developing this together. The Jones concept came about um, just as Graham and I were living in Dallas. We'd go see live music all the time. Um, And we just felt that void here. And uh, so, yeah, it's just kind of finding a gap, finding a void and figuring out where we can help, you know, just help to make Oklahoma city an even greater place to live and socialize and, and go out. Um, that's kind of shifted to be our main focus. It was always our focus. Even from when Manny and I came from SMU, we'd see cool things in different places and want to bring them to Oklahoma city. And now I'd say that's like the entire goal of our restaurant group is, is identifying gaps. Any concept we have in the future will be something we feel the city needs and that we can deliver on. And traveling is the best thing about it, right? Because you see so many things. And and I was somebody mentioned this earlier, and it comes up every now and then in a podcast that we, because we're in the middle of the country, we're always kind of late to see to get things. But if you're a business owner and you travel, it's the best thing ever because you know what's working on the coast. Yeah, you can see things kicking off. And if you get in early enough, you know you can get some space, and you know you can open and operate that trend is coming soon and is only a matter of time before somebody else does it. Absolutely. Which is awesome. It's true. That's, that's, you know, part of the reason I love to travel is food and drink, you know, uh, going to see new restaurants, new, um, concepts. And, uh, so that's fun of the, part of the fun thing, bringing little things here Mm -hmm. and there. And, uh, 
you know, with the exception on the Jones, we just wanted to bring something that we never saw anywhere before. Yeah. Uh, we'd never seen kind of an indoor-outdoor stage that we never saw a dining room that we could pack up and put underneath the stage mm-hmm. and then have it by back out by the next morning for for lunch so that's the one exception to where we were like okay let's build something even bigger and more ambitious than we've seen anywhere else and kind of put these three concepts into one thing so that's that's been the cool thing everybody always says gosh i love coming here because i feel like i'm not in oklahoma city and i said well you are in oklahoma city and you know we're proud that people say that and that developers from all over the country are begging us to bring a Jones assembly to their city. But we're, we feel, uh, very proud that it's in the city and we're not looking to do it in other cities. (laughs) I'm sure the, the story of just getting that building and being in that location is, you know, just a long enough story as it is, but because it's quite an old building in there. It is very old building. Um, Luckily, we had the opportunity to look at that building and we kind of just knew right away that it was going to work. We looked at multiple um, locations uh, with Fred Hall, who's uh, one of our capital partners um, in that particular project. We looked at many buildings in the past and nothing just felt right. And I am definitely inspired by architecture and, (laughs) you know, that's why I was drawn to the 747 building, amazing art deco building. That's kind of unlike any other one on campus corner. Um, and this one, you know, sometimes you just walk into a building and you know, and that's kind of how we've, we've chosen our real estate. We've chosen where we're going to put a concept every single time has been about having that feeling when we find the place. Mm -hmm. Same as the building we're in now. Yeah. Yeah. It's a killer building too. (laughs) Thank you. Um, so, and Jones has a new roof, right? It does not. Yes. That's so, a big addition. Um, common misconception is that it's this retractable roof. It is retractable, but it's not like a push a button and it, and it can go up and it's down. It's not like a stadium. Yeah. Really, you know, the whole deal. So we planned for that. I think about a year and a half ago, we got it approved. And the idea was kind of as an insurance plan, if it rained when we were having a large event or a concert, we could put it up that morning mm-hmm. or the day before. Um, and also like for, you know, November through March, have it to where we could utilize that space year round, that patio space year round. Um, and then also to be able to do events out on the patio without necessarily, you know, having to use the dining room. And so the unfortunate thing is that was already in motion, uh, when we entered this uh, difficult time. Uh, so a lot of the reasons why we put that up are, are not currently valid right now, but we do hope to, um, in the future, be able to utilize that right. roof. Yeah. 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 You're not going to paint it like the Venetian is painted. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think we're going to have a Sistine Chapel. Is that real? No, it's not, but it looks real. Yeah. Uh, I always remember seeing that. It's such a good ceiling. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's so cool to just have that concept and, and be continuing to grow or continuing to just build new ones. I'm sure you have more ideas than you can yeah. open doors at. Um, it's just the hard question then is picking the one which you want to invest in, right? Sure. Um, and the one I guess that Oklahoma City needs the most because 
best restaurants opening there was a period that it was a lot of restaurants a lot around. yeah i couldn't keep up and yeah. i think that's the key i mean i think that's the cool thing about it is um there are several groups now that you know are pushing each other to open something better and great and collaborating and mm-hmm. um you know mediocrity just doesn't work in in the restaurant uh culture in oklahoma city anymore and yeah. i think that has been great to see that envelope be pushed and people get more daring and and more adventurous mm-hmm. because that's what's really developed this culture i think it's it's a hidden gem oklahoma city as a food and and cocktail city that that is still very much unknown right um but you've got all of these innovative places that are that are you know, making a difference. Yeah. And you mentioned you travel quite a lot and love mm-hmm. to travel, uh, which means that you see all these awesome places, which also makes you'll realize that, oh, actually, we probably do it better here. Or we, <laughs> yeah. we do it better back home than, than we are wherever you've been. But um, the good thing is that you see all these ideas from all around the world. And, you know, if anyone scrolls through Instagram, they know that you've been pretty much everywhere, <laughs> right? Or you're always somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, any, until lately for until, sure yeah, yeah. yeah definitely yeah. is there any um, kind of just like trips that come to mind that um, you know that were just like awesome trips that you really pulled something from and now the, the idea is you know a drink or a restaurant or whatever yeah I think there's definitely been some pivotal trips that I've taken I think like the the first one that comes to mind was I traveled all through Australia with a group of three Ryan being one of them and that was before we opened 747 and there was just so many cool things with like lighting and architecture and interior design that we were seeing over there that um were a little more cutting edge than I was seeing in the United States right then and so there was a lot of inspiration taken from that trip into 747 and then, you know, the Jones is just, it, it's, uh, it, it's probably a combination of many, many, many trips. But um, I think, like, from a cocktail standpoint, London has been my biggest inspiration for the last three or four years, just because I feel like they're leading the way in that culture. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of the ideas or themes for, for cocktails have come from, from that trip and really just... I would say the the music side is just from going places that have music yeah. like within the thread of their their site Austin Nashville. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are those are the ones that come to mind. I think that the the difference here in Oklahoma City is we can take hospitality to a different level. It's kind of you know the big friendly Oklahoma City friendly people. Yeah. So I think um, people expect a lot a level of hospitality that is greater here than in in other cities that i found mm-hmm. um so i think that gives us a leg up when people come into our restaurants they're just shocked how friendly uh people are and yeah. and social and you know conversations and and want you to have a great experience right. so uh i think that's where you know not just our restaurant group but but concepts in oklahoma city have an advantage yeah uh where does the name for the jones come from so um, the collection of buildings around Maine and Sheridan mm-hmm. and the 900 block um, were uh, the old Fred Jones uh, automobile manufacturing sure. um, facilities, warehouses. So um, the Jones, 
obviously comes from the Fred Jones yeah. car dealership, and then uh, which happens to be uh, our partner Fred Hall's grandfather. Oh, great! Yes, yeah. and then assembly kind of plays along with like you know Model Ts were assembled um, in yeah. those buildings, but really just kind of what we wanted the Jones to be, which was a, a gathering place mm -hmm. um, where people could gather, assemble, to have a great time with friends, family. So that kind of had a double yeah. double meaning was there. Was it quite easy to find to come to that name? Um, I think it was very easy for Graham and I. I think it was a, a little bit um, maybe harder for the Hall family once, like, we explained to them that, yeah. it, you know, it would mean, you know, an honor their family, but it would also right. mean more about what the place was going to be now. Uh, I think they really saw the vision and, and liked it. Yeah. yeah, I can see why it might have taken a while for them because just having, so, you know, it's Oklahomans are so so humble in general, and sometimes they don't want, you know, I don't want it to be called after me. Why would you name yeah. it after me? And then, like I said, when you explain it, and it comes across as no, like this, this is going to honor your family name or family member, and then the assembly part as well. Like it's yeah. That's really cool, and it's it is a cool place. It's this the shows are awesome. I've um, you know, like mutual friend of ours, Lance, was like every time a show comes out, I just I don't don't even, don't even care who it is. I'm <laughs> buying the ticket just because I have so much fun there. Uh, which I'm sure there's a lot more. People I think like Lance I think Lance well. has uh, been to every single concert we have. In fact, I think he's built a like collage out of all of his his, his <laughs> lanyard badges yeah <laughs> that's awesome yeah Only he's a great he's that. a great customer of ours music yeah. lunch occasional drinks <laughs> <laughs> occasionally yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> um, but there's so many people like that are I don't think Lance is one in a million but there are people that embody some of the same things the qualities that Lance has in Oklahoma City that just seem to come together to build something or start something for the community. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it's amazing to be on the opposite side of it. Cause we're like, what's coming next? Oh, this is what we've needed. Thank you to whoever has done it. Um, but it must be so cool to be on the inside too and have all of the friendships and, you know, bounce ideas back and forth, especially with other, you know, um, I guess it would be competition, but it's probably seen as not competition cause you just, it's Oklahoma, right? I mean, I yeah. know we have competition, but it's a different kind of competition, isn't it? It's it like is. A friendship it is. thing. Yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, we all just want to continue to have a great place to live and seeing the progress, you know, over the last, I'd say just in my industry or really just things to do in general, the last, you know, decade and mm. even the last five years, even the last three years, um, you know, it went from kind of having to wonder, okay, what am I going to do this weekend or what can I do this evening or should I go out to eat to having so many options. And I mean, I remember one night, uh, concert wise, I think the zoo amphitheater had the killers. Um, we had St. Paul and the broken bones and the criterion had MGMT and I bought I bought tickets to all except for mine yeah, <laughs> obviously right. but i bought tickets to the other and then i had to make a decision of what of those three to go to yeah. but it feels like you know there's so many options and opportunities now which is, which just makes it a great place yeah. to live which one did you go to that evening i went to the criterion yeah <laughs> yeah i'd seen saint Good paul i'd seen saint paul before yeah um 
that was the second time we had them at the Jones and the weather was looking pretty ominous for the zoo. So yeah. Yeah. You would be dedicated to go to see the killers at the zoo out there <laughs> in bad weather. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's so cool. What is, um, what's family think of all this? Cause I know like just from listening to you, you're a big family, big into family, yeah. big family man. They're super supportive. Like my family members are the absolute best, uh, customers and proponents of our restaurants and our concepts. And, you know, they get to know our staff, your team members, you know, everybody knows my family because they definitely patronize yeah. our, our restaurants. So they've been super supportive. I mean, I remember, you know, times that we were having mother's day brunch and my mom and dad would be on their way down to just come to brunch so they could see me or we could spend like five minutes together and I'd be like, all right, I need you to get five flats of strawberries from the chef store on your way down. I mean, they're constantly running yeah. errands for our restaurant. That's crew. awesome. Yeah. I actually love it. Too. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask something else. I can't remember what it was. It's okay. Podcasts are easy. I can edit this out and not sound <laughs> like such a clown. Um, I see Matt's notes here. Yeah. I, I think just, it's just cool to see like the growth of Oklahoma city be, and the, but also like be a part of it, you know? Cause like you're in the thick of it. You're part of the reason that it's growing part of the reason that people are kicking up with new ideas or they may see the Jones or they may see fuzzies or, or 747 and think, Oh, this would be a twist. I can put my twist on it, whatever it is. And, and then you just have this like wealth of competition, which, you know, the whole rising tide yeah. raises all boats kind of quote. Um, so, with that being said, is there any, you know, I know we're in a terrible situation right now, especially mm -hmm. in the restaurant industry. You guys are fighting harder than most. Uh, but what is, you know, what is in outside of trying to survive for the rest of 2020? What, you know, what's in the works? What would have been planning or would have been coming regardless if we'd have had this situation or not? Yeah, we, um, like you said, it's, it's, uh, been trying to tread water for the last four months. Um, you know, we kind of, after, you know, we shut down for a time period, we kind of had to go through a phase of reopening each of those restaurants, which, mm -hmm. um, you know, in the current state is more difficult operators, you know, finding staff, having to staff more people to make sure we're doing extra sanitation. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we have, new aspects to our current models, delivery, curbside, online ordering. So, um, and then, you know, we had to react really quick and, and focus on those things. But then at the same time, when we were ready, opened our dining room. So trying to do all those things at once and then just, you know, a machine like the Jones, you turn that off for 95 days and you can't just flip a switch and turn right. it back on. I mean, there's a retraining process. It's a, it's a giant space. We have to rearrange the dining room so we can social distance, mm -hmm. you know, how are we going to manage the bar? How are we going to manage the bar upstairs? We had to reschedule, I think 11 concerts. So yeah. it feels like for sure, this is going to be a setback in terms of, we probably won't be popping out, you know, multiple restaurants in the next couple years like we had planned yeah. um we did have some things on the horizon we were in the middle of opening up spark which is our um fast casual burgers frozen custard shakes 
uh, spot at Sistertel Park, and that's kind of on hold right now. But right now we're just focusing on um, serving our customers safely and making sure that our staff is um, gainfully employed and yeah. at the same time reducing any risk to our our staff as well. Yeah, that's it's. I can't imagine that. Like, you know, you you're opening up a restaurant with half as many seats as you're allowed, right? From capacity, mm-hmm. like you've instantly taken away half the amount of people that you're allowed in, and then you have to double your staff. Yeah, it's like the masks just don't add up, do they? It doesn't. I mean, margins are pretty thin in the restaurant industry already, uh, so it adds a whole new level of of you know trying to be nimble in this new landscape that is the restaurant industry yeah. right now. Yeah, it's. I don't know how you do it. It's. Uh, yeah, I don't. Co- coaching can be stressful, right? <laughs> yeah, but this is nothing compared to yeah. the stuff that you guys oh, are dealing yeah. with right now. The stress was so high before we opened um, the fuzzy stores and we did them all on the same day. So we were kind of each one of our key staff were spread out all over, you know, the state. And, you know, but there was also this excitement of getting to reopen. And then the stress of the weeks leading up to opening the Jones were almost unbearable. And then we opened and now it's like, okay, we're open. So there's a little bit of relief, but um, it's just hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel with so much unknown. Yeah. So um, I guess we'll finish with this. Uh, do a few cool random quick fire ones okay. uh, just to finish because why not? Because I haven't done it for a while and I think it'll be fun to do it. Uh, <laughs> this might be a tough one though. Uh, Go to restaurant for a date night. Go to restaurant. I think I think my go to restaurant for any occasion, whether it's a birthday, a date, uh, just sit at the bar by myself as Cheevers. Okay. Um, I live nearby there and it's kind of like my neighborhood haunt, so uh, I just love everything about Those it. Those rolls and all the rest of oh, it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Definitely worth it. <laughs> and like twenty years is coming up on now, which is mad. Um, <laughs> OU or OSU? Oof. That's a tough one. Um, our businesses and and the last I'd say fifteen years of, of my time has been spent in Norman. Uh, and the majority of my friends went to Norman or went to OU. So I have a natural affinity for OU, but I think my heart is with Oklahoma state and always has been good explanation. That's that's a politician's way to explain. (laughs) I know (laughs) for the sake of every business in in Norman, Uh, pizza or wings. Pizza. Uh, mountains or beach for vacation? Oh. Because I know you're a big fan of mountains, right? Yeah, that's almost an impossible choice. Yeah. Um, I think I'll go with mountains. Okay. Um, favorite country to visit in Europe? Italy. Pasta, pizza. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good wine? Kind very, of. very good wine. Yeah. yeah. Um, you've been there, I assume, more than once. I have. I've been, I think, five five times now, yeah. and I'm supposed to be there right now. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah. We had a trip planned to, we were going to Wimbledon, yeah. and then 
the last part of the trip going going to Italy. Yeah. Yeah, I, I see the thing is when you move away from your home country or home area, you realize what you're missing when you move away, right? Mm-hmm. I never I've never been to Wimbledon. Uh, and knowing like I'm three hours drive away from it, like yeah. I probably should have gone. Uh, and all the other sporting events I should have gone to. But you've, I know you mentioned being in Australia. You went to watch the tennis in Australia too, Yeah, right? we did. We went to the Australian Open, gosh, what year was that? 2005, yeah. I think. Um, and it was a, uh, that trip was, was an absolute yeah. blast. It has is it there, all. Is there any businesses, regardless of what time we're at now, if, if this wasn't going on and, and we didn't have the restrictions we do, what what business would you open up without even thinking about it that you haven't yet? So I have this affinity for uh, making um, used to be CDs. I think it actually started with with uh, cassette tapes. Yeah. But I make playlists for every single occasion and send them to my friends or friends ask me to make them and. We just, I've always been about putting music with experiences. Okay. And, you know, we did it in our comeback video for the Jones and Graham was just like, you have a gift for this. And so my ultimate thing would be being able to like soundtrack a movie or a television show. Uh, I don't know that there's a business model for that <laughs> yeah. out there, but that would, be, that, would be, uh, <laughs> I, that would be a great gig. Okay. <laughs> That'd be... That, that, that's an interesting, I mean, that's not, that's no easy task because <laughs> no. there are some great movie soundtracks out there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. That's so, I mean, just, it comes from just a love of music from a young age then. I yeah, guess. I think so. Just everything, nothing. All, everything. All. I mean, my musical taste is kind of pretty broad. Yeah. Um, but I love everything from, you know, alternative rock, classic rock, singer, songwriter, I've uh, been on a country kick just for like the last month. Uh, Hip hop, jazz. Um, I there's very little uh, genre of music mm-hmm. that I do not enjoy. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I agree with that. I'm, I'm I follow the same. I'm I'm just there's 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 a mood for there's a song for every mood. And yeah, a song genre for every mood, and that's the beauty of not just being stuck to one. Uh, absolutely but that's awesome so let's finish with this um there's one restaurant that oklahoma city doesn't have yet what is it and why you know what 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 else do we need that we don't have which is probably that's quite, probably a tough question because there's a lot here i've got a couple but, and and um i'll say i'll i'll preface it with i don't want to offend anyone that has a restaurant in this kind of um particular sure. style um, but I really love like a French brasserie type, um, feel like a great little, you know, wine, um, still casual, but, yeah. you know, get a great like pasta or steak free. There's a place called June's all day in Austin. That's one of my favorite r- restaurants in Austin and that kind of vibe. And then really just like homemade kind of southern capri style uh italian food mm-hmm. um i know we have some italian great italian restaurants here but they're more like oklahoma red sauce italian sure. and uh so i would just love like a little neighborhood italian um there's a spot in portland called ava jeans that's one of my favorite uh spots in the country so yeah. those are the two that 
might have been on our uh, horizon to yeah. uh, to that we were kind of talking about and working on. They are on the whiteboard. To, yeah, yeah. So, so hopefully in the near future we'll see those. Awesome. We, yeah. Well, uh, mate, I really appreciate the time. It's been awesome to share some of the stories and learn more about the concepts and where they started, how they started, why they started, because you didn't want to work nine to five anymore, basically. <laughs> um, and just, you know, like the whole tennis thing as well and, and just giving up, um, or I guess realizing that tennis wasn't going to be in, you know, a profession and, and choosing to go a different route from, from a very young age, which is never an easy task because when you're a kid, you just want to run around play sports <laughs> for as much as possible. Uh, and then going into coaching too and being super successful in coaching. And, and I know we really haven't touched much on all the stuff you've done for Heritage Hall and being on the boards and we didn't, you know, we spoke a little bit about it, but I know there's so much more that you do that we didn't speak about. So, uh, appreciate you for, you know, for doing all that stuff and continuing to champion everything in Oklahoma city, uh, from a consumer's perspective. Um, and I'm probably going to go have fuzzies tonight because I'm thinking about that already. <laughs> that sounds like a plan to Everybody me. Everybody <laughs> listening should do the same thing. Uh. Um, but no, I'll post all the links to social media down below and, um, yeah, thanks for listening guys. Go, uh, support, uh, Brian's company and all the restaurants which I'll post below but just go to Fuzzy's tonight get yourself some chips and queso and my go-to at Fuzzy's is chicken fajita plate you can buy me one if you want it's fine uh, <laughs> thanks for listening we'll catch you next episode cheers <laughs> thanks thank you for listening we are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram.